Welcome to Day Beautiful. I'm Adam Vitkavich, and this is a podcast where readers can discover debut authors through in-depth interviews about their work, their life, and their inspiration. If you like what you hear here, check out daybeautiful.net for more book recommendations and author interviews. Also, follow Day Beautiful on all social media, at Day Beautiful, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you want to find us, you can. Today's guest is very special to me because he has agreed to be part of a debut author panel that I am co-presenting with Tattered Cover Bookstore on November 16th. It's going to be Rachel Yoder, Mina Seshkin, and today's guest. Today's guest has published fiction and nonfiction all over the place in the Los Angeles Review of Books, The Rumpus, Wigleaf, Hobart, Electric Literature, and in the Flash Anthology Forward 21st Century Flash Fiction. He currently teaches at the University of Nebraska Omaha. Go Home Rookie is his debut book. I am, of course, talking about Gene Kwok. Gene, thanks for joining me today. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you doing, Adam? You know, I am doing A-OK uh, here in Denver. Um, this is actually the first podcast I've recorded in a while. We t- I took some time off because I became director of events for Tattered Cover. Yeah, congrats and, on that, by the way. That's thank awesome. you. And before we get started, I do want to say we are doing an event November 16th, so less than a month from when this podcast comes out. Uh, thank you for agreeing to do that virtual event with uh, Mina and Rachel. Yeah, I'm so excited. I, I'm, I'm trying to get Mina's book in before the event. It'll be cutting it close. And I have Rachel's book and I've read Rachel's book, so mm-hmm. it should be super fun. Yeah, Mina's book is so amazing. Um, I'm so glad these three like fell together but we will talk about that well we'll talk more about those books later we're here to talk about go home rookie your debut novel um tell readers a little bit about what it is all about sure um so go home rookie is about uh an independent wrestler a young independent wrestler from omaha nebraska and he's hitting this moment where you know there's like a big turn or a, a a hopeful turn in his career. He's on the cusp of this sort of big shift, but then he gets into this large accident, this entering accident. And so much of who he is is built up on his persona, his identity as a wrestler. Um, and he believes himself to be half Native American. Mm-hmm. Um, but that accident causes him to sort of have to reassess so many aspects of his life, his relationship with his girlfriend at the time, uh, his ability to wrestle his identity as a wrestler and as a human being um it kind of explodes all of that and so it's just like a search and a journey for that mm-hmm. and there, there's so much i want to talk about i guess i just want to first start with why wrestling um as sure. the, yeah why 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 how did wrestling become a part of this story sure 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 i mean so the short version is that um a couple of years ago, you know, I, uh, to be honest with you, like, and I've done some like wrestling interviews, which <laughs> I hugely appreciate that community. And I love uh, the wrestling community. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's more about like this nostalgia that I had for wrestling as a young child. And as a young, mm-hmm. I mean, up until my, like, even um, it's like middle school is uh, kind of when I shifted away from it. So I've, I've, I've been staying abreast of everything that's been going on in that world um, at arm's length, but I'm definitely not like on top of everything that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was about the sense of nostalgia. And so I ended up writing this short piece about Macho Man Randy Savage a couple of years ago. And it was just so much fun. And then I thought about wanting to write a character who, you know, could be brash and have this sense of bravado and sort of be over the top with language. Um, but I didn't really want it to be, I mean, it is, and it isn't a wrestling novel. It's, mm-hmm. it's interesting how different people come to it with that perspective. Yeah. Um, but 
yeah i just and like wrestling such a great sort of metaphor for america too um and there so there were so many aspects of it that intrigued me and like like i said a lot of it of, of the book is about identity yeah and masculinity um and so you know i mean there's there's wrestling right there <laughs> you know what i mean so mm-hmm. um yeah yeah that's kind of why why i sort of you know pursued writing about wrestling yeah i always find it interesting because i think so many readers you know they see a book that quote unquote is about wrestling and obviously it's about so much more and i, I was talking to another writer who had been working on a book and uh, for years and after years of writing just switched it to like take place on a tv show set so now it's going to be quote unquote about a tv show but it really mm. wasn't for you know years because right, right. your book's about masculinity it just happens to use wrestling as a vessel um right and i think some of the like even when i mean i love sports i'm a, I'm a sports fan mm-hmm. um but even some of the shows that we love the narratives that we love uh literature television you think of like ted lasso you think of like friday night lights or yeah. glow you know they're not real i mean they are about the sports but they're really about the human connection and the sports yeah. just allow you sort of like uh an avenue to talk about human beings you know yeah exactly and 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 that like i think the throwback special is a sports book mm-hmm. that i'm thinking of which is you know a football book i guess but really it's it's you know it just uses that as like the launch point and that's what it interests me most about like sports in media like literature tv it's like i don't need to watch the friday night lights game every, <laughs> right, you know right. it's more about right. like the outside the, like that's what make, made the show so great right, right um, totally and so you want to write about masculinity and it's set in Omaha where you currently teach. So were you writing this book while you were in Omaha that entire time? Um, you know, I went to grad school in Boston for a couple of years and then mm. I came back and I was like hemming and hawing about whether I was going to stay in Omaha. I came back in about 2011, mm. um, you know, just trying to find what I wanted to do. You know, I have a lot of great friends and family here. So I came back and yeah, I, I didn't really start this book until I came back. But even it was a couple of years after I came back. I mean, to be honest with you, when I first came back, you know, had my MFA in hand or whatever, did a little like started adjuncting, just was like kind of still like, I don't know what I want to do, what I want to work on. I don't have a big project. So I did honestly, I don't know, I wouldn't say wasted, but I was spending a lot of years just like hanging out with friends and still kind of you know, just so being social. And then uh, a couple years back, the idea struck me. And then I just like, three or four years ago, I just like sort of really, you know, locked in and then just, uh, yeah. So yeah, I've been writing it since I've been back in Omaha. What were you, what was interesting to you? What were you writing like prior to this? What was kind of your bread and butter? I mean, I don't know if I had a specific, you know, my, my, my biggest thing for some of the writers that I love and like what I try to achieve is it is about voice first and foremost. But I think yeah. like my, one of my projects is always or is something that's always been in the back of my head is, is this notion about masculinity? Is this notion about identity and race? Um, you know, without going on too long, like some of the books that I love from authors who would write a narrator similar to Ricky it would be about like a young white dude just kind of barreling into the world kind of almost you know just bouncing off of these people and there would almost never be and even if I love the language and I love some of these writers like from the 70s or whatever there was never any sort of deeper sense of like 
be anything beyond that, you know, beyond the scope of just like this one person's uh, perspective. Mm -hmm. And so I was always like, even with Ricky, I'm like, yeah, it is going to be, you know, it's like a young uh, male narrator, but like, obviously the women are going to matter. You know, Ricky's mom is as important, if not more important to it than he is, you know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, those, those, the, the projects or whatever, the, the, the idea of masculinity and race and identity have always kind of been floating in the back of almost everything that I think I've been working on. Mm. So. Yeah. And like the characters, like you mentioned, uh, Ricky's mother's like a vital part to the story. I, I'll talk just a briefly about the title was like Ricky's name always going to be in the title. I know he's the narrator, but you know, it's a robust group of characters. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> So the thing about the title is that um, a bunch of people try to get me to change the title. They're like, Gene, I like this book, but <laughs> why don't you try to have something more literary? And I'm like, no, I kind of like that. It sounds almost like it could be a children's book. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and obviously the go home, you know, there's a metaphor about sort of identity and returning home, but also it's a wrestling term to mean like, again, um, and, and this is included in the beginning of the book. It's a wrestling term to, to, that means like to finish the match. Mm-hmm. But I always wanted to call it Go Home, Ricky. That was on like draft one. Um, and, you know, like I said, people try to get me to change it. But uh, I was like, I got to I got to stick. This is a one one of those things where I got to stick to my guns on this. No, I love it. everything about the packaging. And, and usually I, I don't I guess I do like to talk about book covers. The book cover, the packaging is so perfect. It's like the 1970s, 80s, like poster it's just everything about it's perfect (laughs) yeah i appreciate that i mean we went through some different iterations obviously like you do in the process Mm -hmm. um the the wild thing is that i think initially we were going to go with like a green and like the the design was basically so we we switched it up a couple times but um and eli mock from abrams did an incredible job um Mm -hmm. but i got input from my editors my agent and then at the last second i think initially the layout was what it was, but then we were, we had a green and a yellow, which totally looked amazing. And then at the last second, I was like, can we just see an option in pink mm. and yellow? Um, Cause there's like a macho man connection and stuff too. And so, and then once Eli sent that back, we all were like, it's the pink and yellow one. That's, that's the one that we have to go with for sure. Definitely. And now, now we, you, you mentioned macho man, Randy Savage twice now. Um, so I do want to talk just about like wrestling mm-hmm. in general. So I think like you, I also enjoyed wrestling as a child, grew out of it around middle school, but there's that nostalgia. Like if it's on, it's like, I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. What was, what was the research like for wrestling? I know you, you, you talked, you mentioned talking to some wrestlers, but this is a very specific type of wrestling. It's about semi-pro, not on TV. Yeah, like independent. Yep, yeah, yep. independent. What, what was that process like for you? Well, the thing is we have, um, I mean, I think one of them is just on hiatus right now, but even like Omaha is not a huge city. It's, uh, I don't know what we were at the last census. I'd say maybe like a million and a half with all the, it's a very spread out city and there's all these sort of like, you know, nearby mm-hmm. um, other communities that kind of get roped in population wise, but yeah, you know, maybe like a, a over a million people. Um, not massive uh, city wise, uh, but there, there was like, three independent wrestling organizations just in our city you know what I mean and so like it's it's definitely a thriving um community um and a lot of it now they, they're posting full-on matches promos on their social media they're really utilizing social media so you know some of it was checking out a little bit here and there 
Um, obviously that couldn't really happen once COVID hit, um, that kind of prevented that. So then once COVID hit, it was also sort of like, and obviously they took a break as well, but once they started up again, um, being able to sort of watch things, um, on YouTube and online, um, but you know, a lot of it and the stuff where it's Ricky, like waxing poetic was just from my memories of what wrestling meant to me as a child. I think that especially for young kids, especially growing up in like the eighties and the nineties, mm-hmm. you know, now they have these Marvel superhero movies that are like, you know, incredible effects, et cetera, but we didn't have those movies growing up in the eighties and nineties. And so like our version of like superheroes were like the wrestlers, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of like the, the, the place that they hold in my imagination and my, you know, nostalgia center or whatever. Have you noticed like an uptick in, I guess like you, you mentioned Pose or not Pose, um, Glow. Excuse me, those Glow, are two yeah, vastly yeah. different shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned Glow. As, do you, why do you think there is such like a renaissance for wrestling right now? Is it because all of us that were like children are now adults, or is it still thriving with kids right now? I think. I mean, I think so. Like I said, I don't stay yeah, super no. super on top of like exactly what's going on right now but i think it's as popular as it's ever been yeah um i actually did an interview uh, with a writer scarlett harris who's who's like her bread and butter is like knowing wrestling and she was kind of talking about how there's been kind of a shift though in um away from you know like women were highlighted for such a for such a in, in recent sort of wrestling history mm-hmm. um but then it, there's been kind of been a shift away from that like even you know like um glow for example was canceled and um you know there's been less uh promotion of some of the women in wrestling and some organizations barely even highlight their women and so um yeah i mean i think there has been a renaissance but i don't really know you know i I think it's just kind of gonna it's it's gonna be a thing that's always kind of maintained popularity i i'm sure it's like ebbed and flowed over the years but um there's always like a group of people that are just they're they just die hard for the wrestling you know and and like again even these indie circuits where mm-hmm. i have so much respect for the people on these indie circuits and these indie promotions because you know they're definitely not making big bucks <laughs> and they're putting their bodies on the line and a lot of times it's very diy where they're like the promoters but also the wrestlers and so uh yeah but those you know they get decent audiences that's why i said there's like three of them in our city which isn't even a huge metropolitan city and so um yeah there's these diehard fans that just love it you know uh-huh. And go- going back into the book, um, you know, you explore that that circuit. You exp- and, and again, it's not about wrestling. It's not like watching a Mighty Ducks movie where it's all about you know <laughs> the sport itself. It's about a lot more. I, I know that you have like well, there's a character named Johnny America, and yeah. we've kind of already talked about the timeline. But you do have a, a short story about Johnny America back in 2014. So, so well, I can't do math. Seven years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that was so? Was that prior to writing, like the starting go home rookie? Was that was this kind of always on your mind prior? I just want to. Oh, you know, yeah, that's a great question. Um, actually, that Johnny America story is is completely different. I just that's lifted what, okay. the name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. I just lifted the name from that character because I was like, oh, that name's too good for a wrestler who would be obsessed with like just uh-huh. American, you know, culture or whatever. Um, and so I, I just yeah, that story. I think it was on juked maybe um, mm-hmm. and then was in a chat book um 
that story is as completely different and it's more just about like a guy who's lived sure. hard and his brother and blah 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 and um, so that character is not the same yeah. that's a good question some people might find that story and be like is this the same character yeah that's what a different turn in life yeah yeah, yeah exactly uh because i read it this morning and i was like i i know it's not but let's yeah, just yeah. ask in case there's <laughs> like some true. weird connection you wanted us to Very find true. i appreciate um, that one thing I love is you mentioned voice is important too. The, the pacing of this book is also, you know, really tight in my opinion. It, it's just so it's, it feels like an action packed movie, like a, like a wrestling match, like a Marvel movie, but it's obviously like very introspective and, you know, about Ricky's like search for himself and, and, and many things. What, was that on your mind like how people would read it while you were writing it or were you were you, were you focused on just how the voice came across what, what were you focused on while writing it i think you know early drafts i'm so i'm, I'm a terrible planner i'm not, not <laughs> a plan, i'm not a planning writer i'm just like not a good planning person um and so yeah i just write and i mean it's not the, the best you know like i i need to use i should use like you know different apps like what is it Scribner is that mm-hmm. the one that like you know to, to plot stuff I, sh- I should definitely seek those out but I'm just like I just go and like delve into the page every single or not even every single day but like whenever I get a chance to um, tap back into the voice rewrite sections delete sections but um, yeah early drafts are always just voice driven just like humming along on the voice and then I have to go back and obviously um, my agent and editor, you know, my agent, Sarah Bolin is um, one of the reasons that I signed with her among many reasons was because she has like a, a long history in um, editing. You know, she was mm-hmm. an editor for like two of the major, you know, sort of uh, um, publishers for many, many years, for like over 10 years. And so, and she's worked on so many incredible books that I'm huge fans of. And so I knew that like, you know, everybody's relationship with their agent is different, but I knew that she would also bring just like a, a, a an incredible eye to the editing of the work before even sending it out. And so she helped me a lot with like the pacing. Um, the writer, Jack Jem, um, read an early draft. I think she was one of the first um, to read just like from beginning to end, like a really crappy draft of a book. And she gave me some great advice about pacing. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, for me, it's about like, I love, dipping into books as a reader and getting all different like you know you're getting different experiences I don't understand people that are just trying to get the same kind of experience from their art all the time right like so some books are going to be more just like a quick hit others are going to be sort of languid and allow you to really sink into them Um, but at least with this book and maybe just my style of writing I like to keep things kind of moving um I think it's just you know like the writer Barry Hanna used to talk about I can't remember his exact quote but he talked about like wanting writing to be like swashbuckling, you know, just like adventuresome. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of just how I approach the the pacing. But sometimes I definitely have to, you know, readjust, obviously, because sometimes it almost moves too quickly, right? Yeah, and, and, and I, I think I've become obsessed with pacing recently because I, I read a lot because of Day Beautiful. I read a lot because of, you know, doing events for Tattered Cover and just, I just don't have time for a book that I, can't keep my interest and I know there's like there's ebb and flow in right right in literature like I like a slow-paced book like most of the books I do like are really introspective and are plotless almost (laughs) but it what interests me is like how and why books keep me pulled in and 
like you, it's like this book. And I guess this will lead into my next question. It's, it's very like, you know, moving and it's, it, it makes me think about masculinity and everything, but then there's also like humor in it. How, how is balancing those two like sides of the coin or, or do you even view them as different things like humor and, you know, whatever heart wrenching moments? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I mean, for me, my natural and sometimes to a fault, like my natural, uh, just the way I navigate the world is, is largely through the lens of humor, you know, just like me as a human being, me and my friends, when we're constantly joking about stuff and so like it it wasn't a question like if I tried to avoid putting in humor um it wouldn't feel like me it would feel like I'm trying to write a quote-unquote literary book or I'm mm-hmm. trying to do something that's not true to who I am you know honestly like a lot of times I have to cut jokes out because I'm like all right now this is getting absurd <laughs> where it's where it's just about the humor and it's not actually about, so you know there is a balance there but I think that's like the best stuff you know um yeah that 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 just like can break our heart, but also make us laugh. I mean, the thing I, I think about the things that interest me the most. And I also think, honestly, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot in light of um, just like the popularity of like Korean cinema mm-hmm. around the world, but even a show like Squid Game or something like Parasite, there are like horrific moments in those shows and movies. And yet there's almost always humor. You know, mm-hmm. there's always a little bit of humor because Korean people are hella funny. Um, my dad and mom are hella funny. And like, sometimes it just doesn't come across in some of the art or literature or whatever. Um, and so like, to me, it's it's not a question of like including humor because even in the roughest of times, like just me as a human being, I'm going to try and find a moment to like laugh at the absurdity of life, you know? Yeah, and and like I mean, Parasite. Yeah, like you're right. Like movies like that and books like yours, it it needs like I mean, I like really depressing stuff. That's usually like my go-to. <laughs> sure, sure, but like sure. I need to laugh during it. Um, right, right. Yeah, and yeah, it's just um, I I really appreciate it. your your book reminded me a lot. Kind of, this is a stretch of Patrick Dewitt who wrote books like uh, The Brother mm. Sisters and French Exit, where it's like super serious and super about something like important but then it's like I like I like that joke on that page it's just like you know what I mean like mm-hmm. I like a good chuckle while I'm like crying yeah um, thanks yeah thanks for, I mean Patrick Dewitt I love Patrick Dewitt's work I mean some of my favorite writers yeah like humor writers like Sam Lipsight Paul Beatty there's so many other Jenny Zhang is funny too even though yeah she's, you know, yeah, yeah yeah for sure for sure I do. I'm being. I'm interrupting myself right now. Uh, Tattered Cover officially and put out their email for our event on um, the 16th. So, nice. Nice. so that I just went out too. Yeah, I think it's going to yeah. be a good one. Yeah, um, yeah. I just got like a notification from our marketing team that the <laughs> nice. event went out. I was like, oh, cool. Um, nice, nice. Yeah. So, and 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 I guess I'll transition here to you, you mentioned books you've enjoyed throughout, like you know the writers from the 70s who write books about like young men and then and 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 we talked about like other media you enjoy what books have you been reading recently that have been on your mind they don't have to be debuts but what's been interesting you recently sure i mean to be honest with you at the beginning of i mean i can't believe it's almost been going on two years now but at the beginning of the pandemic i just couldn't read i couldn't read i couldn't write for almost like a year um and then one of the books that brung, that broke me out of that slump um, was uh, C. Pam Zhang's book, mm. um, How Much of These Hills. Like, I, oh, I love yes. that book. 
mm-hmm. I just like plowed through it. Like you said, it was just like, just like, just so riveting. And I actually gave that book to a friend who doesn't even read this dude only reads like Westerns. And I gave him that book and he loved it. And that's uh, another to interrupt. That's another one of those things where, yeah, it's a Western, right? And, right but it's right. like so much more. And that's exactly. what, like, that's what literature, just for people who are, who maybe are listening to this are like, oh, I picked up Gene's book because it has a wrestler on the cover. It's like, there's totally. other books like this, you know, like, yeah, get into it for the hook, but there's so much more on, under the layers. I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt. What else? Is- no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great. Actually, you know, just real quick on that too. I'm like, that's a great point for me. The thing that like makes a bre- like I'm just not a type of reader that picks it up based on the premise. If the premise sounds interesting, that's great. But to me, honest, maybe just because I'm this kind of writer too, the number one thing that makes or breaks a book for me about like whether I'm going to pursue it down the page is just like the voice and like interesting sentences and like an interesting point of view. So it could be about just about anything. I mean, you know, within reason. Obviously, I'm not going to read like a 300 page you know thing that's like all hate speech or whatever. But um, you know, just like the, the sentences and the voice, if I'm hooked on page one, I'm going to follow that voice down a lot of different, you know, avenues. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. what, what else I've been reading? Um, I'm actually looking over at my shows right now. <laughs> um, After Parties by Anthony Viasna. So obviously was oh, incredible. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've been reading a lot more Asian American writers, AAPI writers, mm-hmm. um, just kind of naturally gravitating towards uh, I do have Atticus Lish's new book, not an ABI writer, but I do have Atticus Lish's new book. I'm waiting on that one. I, I do really want to, I, I love his work. I, I do really want to delve into that one, but I think that's also just like a, talking about like sad and depressing books. I think that one's going to be real heavy. Um, James Han Matson's Reprieve is, uh, hasn't come out yet, but I'm doing an event with him. That one's really, really incredible um, about like content houses in Lincoln, Nebraska. And mm. yeah, there's so much interesting stuff going on in there. And then I think, I'm trying to think of what else I've been reading. Oh, um, yeah, Gene Young Frazier's book I loved during mm-hmm. that during that sort of like time where I wasn't reading much else. And then um, Don Teal Moniz's um, short story collection too was incredible. Um, yes. And I want to say, I think it was Gene who connected us, maybe. Am I making might, that it up? It might have been. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Gene Young is like, incredible human being like I feel like that's like uh you know like a long lost sister I, we've actually never met we just like have been obviously you know COVID but uh, yeah yeah I just was like well there's another Korean person named Jean who loves pizza um, because <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I love pizza and I read her book and I was like oh man the voice is incredible in this and so I was like uh, yeah and then we just had a bunch of similar you know, big fans of basketball, all sorts of stuff. So yeah, yeah maybe yeah. that's why I just assumed you two were connected. Cause I, I, I do, I do, I do remember like you maybe retweeting like the inner, my podcast with her. Mm. I, I just assume you're the same person. Maybe. I don't know because, because <laughs> of the almost, love of pizza. Yeah. No, I'm we just joking. Yeah. The same, but yeah, we almost are the same person. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. um, yeah and, I'll, and I'll wrap up. You have is it your Twitter, Instagram, one of your account, you have the, one of the best handles. I love, I love author social media handles. What is the G Mikhail Basquiat? Is that oh, Twitter yeah. or Instagram? No, so uh, Instagram's G Michelle Basquiat. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect was, name. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been a fan of Basquiat since I was like a little kid. I don't even mm-hmm. remember. I came across his book when I was like 12 years, a book of his art when I was 12. It's so such a weird feeling because I've noticed recently that whoever is in charge of his uh, legacy or whatever his mm-hmm. um, has there's been like Jimmy Michel Basquiat pins and jackets and hats like more than ever mm-hmm. it's like you know 
more power to them. But it's just interesting because it felt like this artist that like was just like kind of a little bit, you know, underground in a way, Mm -hmm. Uh, like maybe, you know, 10, 20, 15 years ago or whatever. Uh, I mean, obviously he was huge at his, at his, like at his height, but um, it felt like people of my generation that were a little bit younger and missed the heyday didn't know about him as much. And it's like, it's really awesome to like sort of see him come back, uh, you know, come back out to the floor. I actually have a Basquiat tattoo as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. My friend Morgan Parker also has a Basquiat tattoo. I think we've talked about this before. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Big fan of Basquiat for sure. That's awesome. So we can find you there on Instagram. Your Twitter is slightly different though, right? It's just your name or with a number. Yeah. It's like Gene Kwok three. The the thing about that is I started like a Gene Kwok account years ago and then deleted it. (laughs) And then I couldn't remember, or, or I, I think I, maybe I didn't delete it properly. And so when I tried to start a, a, an account again, this is like in the old days of Twitter, I tried to start an account again. I was like, is this my second or third? So then I just wrote Gene Kwok 3, but it turns out I think it was my second one. So that doesn't even really make sense, but yeah. So you can find Gene at Gene Kwok 3 on Twitter, even though it's only his second one, uh, Gene Mikhail Bascott. And genequok.com. You can find Day Beautiful at daybeautiful.net on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Day Beautiful. Please follow us. Please support us. And go to, in the show notes, uh, we'll have a link for the Tattered Cover slash Day Beautiful Debuts to Devour event with Gene Kwok, Mina Seshkin, and Rachel Yoder. November 16th. It's going to be a great time. So please register for that. Show Tattered Cover that debuts are worth having these kind of really cool events for. The more people who register, the more people who show up, the more opportunities Day Beautiful has to keep doing this partnership. As always, I'm Adam, this is Day Beautiful, and you're all beautiful.